listening to The Good Fight, where campus meets Christ. Hello, hello. I'm Grace Alita. And if you didn't know, I'm Timothy. And welcome back to The Good Fight. Welcome back. I like that. Yeah. We're trying something new for our second to last episode of the season. Is it really the second? Mm -hmm. I thought it was third to last. No, I think it's the second to last, right? We have... It could be second to last if we wanted to be. We don't have one after the... After... Oh. Do we? I We don't have to. If, if there's one on the schedule, we don't have to do that one. I thought we only had... Anyway, you guys will find out um, <laughs> eventually whether or not there's one or two more. Um, but wouldn't it make sense? Because then finals. I we suppose, have, yeah. This is the next week is our last week of classes. Yeah. And then finals. So presumably this would come out this Thursday and the one will come out next Thursday and then... Will we have one during finals week? I don't know. Will we want to record one I, during I don't right think so. finals? I think I'll be quite busy. Yes. So therefore, <laughs> ergo, this is our second to last episode, which is kind of crazy. It is. It um, is. It, it's been a long journey. Yeah, it has been. But this is this is our, we're going to end on 27 episodes. 27. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. I don't remember ever, I remember when we past number 10 and i thought it was such a huge milestone mm-hmm. because instead of having just a single digit as the number it was two digits Ooh. 30 years oh a little under 30 years quite nice like it's quite a reasonable number mm-hmm. yeah yeah 27 it feels like a weird number though that's true but it's just because we go off of the school schedule right mm-hmm. so and this year is weird because we're cut short anyway right yeah so but we'll keep adding episodes this semester. or mm-hmm. The summer, you mean? The summer, yes. That's our goal. That is our goal, and it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to those. Yeah, we're going to hopefully be able to change things up a little bit, so. Get things. If all goes well, it won't just be our voices anymore. Yeah, <clears throat> um, yeah so today we're going to be talking about our faith. Um, <laughs> when do we talk about that? Um, no, we're going to be talking about faith and interaction between, you know, public and private spheres, which... Faith in action. Faith in action. Ooh. (laughs) Which I think we recognized before we started this episode probably would have come better after talking about church and state. Yeah, this was... Um, Oh, well. Just thrown in the mix, I guess. You know, sometimes you got to just go with the flow, and we're going with the flow and talking about it now. Um, so maybe a good question is, is how do you think right now your faith is... Like, how is your faith intertwined in, in your life right now? Intertwined? I'm imagining you mean publicly, not just privately. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, actually, I mean, that that would be open for you to answer. Oh. Um, well, I will, I will confess, it's really hard to do anything publicly when everything's online. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the public sphere is just completely different. Um, it, it very much feels like everything is just closed off into your own little bubbles. For those who've been, who've been on Columbia's campus... That's what it feels like wherever you're living, almost, is you're just bubbled off from the rest of the world uh, in your own little community. And there's very little interaction between you and the the public world at large, Mm -hmm. Um, which is one one of the reasons I'm really excited to go back to New York, because I think it'll be maybe a little different there. Rural Kentucky is a little bit more closed off than New York, I imagine. Really? Would I would never have guessed. <laughs> um, but pr- privately, 
in some ways that atmosphere has allowed me to devote more time, I guess, to the private exercise of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized yesterday I had forgot. I realized this morning I forgot to read my Bible yesterday, so I had to catch up on my reading plan. But that's a separate story. Yesterday was a weird day. But yeah, I mean, consistent Bible reading, consistent prayer, reading systematic theology, which I'm almost done with now. What? I have like nine chapters left. Wow. So yeah, I mean, just the ability to dive deeper, I guess, Mm -hmm. in my own personal life. But that has come at the expense of interacting with people outside of my private Kentucky bubble. No, I definitely agree with that. I think because there really is, I think even in the public sphere, kind of two spheres within that, right? You have public Christian sphere and then broader public sphere. Because I've definitely noticed, especially this year with everything being back online, um, obviously like the four of us here in Kentucky have our own little sphere, right? Mm -hmm. Because we go to church together, we see each other for dinner, we chitter chatter. Um, You know, we're just always always seeing each other we meet every week to record the podcast exactly it's like you we're yeah you can't escape conversation models, which is probably a terrible way of putting it but it's true i mean like i'm gonna see you guys for dinner kind of no matter what um and so there's something wonderful about that um because we do have this constant interaction mm-hmm. but then there's the maybe step up from that um which is i mean like we're both part of christian union and we go to our large groups. Um, and I think I've probably been maybe a little bit more involved in activities. Would you say that's true? Yes. I, man, I just hate online stuff. So no, it's, I feel it's that. weird. When we started in the fall, I was doing a decent amount of, of online mm-hmm. activities. And as it's gone on, I, it's just, I've dropped one at a time because I just, I don't feel like it. No, I, I definitely relate. It's definitely, I think I noticed yesterday it really hit me where I was like, wow, I'm tired mm-hmm. of going to classes online and I'm tired of like trying to pay attention in lecture, just like, you know, mm-hmm. sitting at home. Um, and I think that definitely does flow over into um, into faith activities too, because yeah. it's much harder, at least for me, to do things like communal prayer mm-hmm. online. Um yeah, I just don't do as well, like, sitting in front of my computer with my, yeah, like, praying with people. Um, I definitely, like, find it more of a challenge. Um, and also, it's just, like, it's more draining, I think, in a way that mm-hmm. being in person isn't. Being in person, it's, like, vitalizing, reviving, or reviving, when something... both work. Anyway. But then there's the broader sphere, which I think you were bringing up of, of kind of, like, more generally beyond kind of the faith community kind of the ability to evangelize Mm -hmm. as opposed to just develop your faith in a community of christians and i think part of it's also because there aren't as many casual conversations with people you know where Mm -hmm. it's like if i come on if i hop on zoom early for like my cc class it's just cameras off on mute actually my class talks but it's like mostly with my professor my professor will be like oh how are y'all doing today Mm. and we'll be like we're doing well see my professor does that when class starts Oh, I see. No, my professor does that right before class starts. I think I have the better end of the deal. Why? Well, I mean, at this point, I just don't like what we're reading in CC, so. Oh, I see. So you're saying it's getting cut short? Yeah. <laughs> what a great mentality. <laughs> um, but there definitely isn't the same thing as, like, when you walk, like, walking into my lit home class last year and mm-hmm. um, 
there being a bunch of kids just like a bunch of us just would like hang around before class right just whenever you arrived right and it wasn't like we were all staring at the professor like waiting for her to talk to us no we like would find whoever was next to us and just like strike up a little conversation mm-hmm. um, although i'm bad at doing that but <laughs> maybe you didn't but i did i haven't i mean i haven't had an opportunity in a year so That's who knows true. But I definitely think that it was easier if someone was like, oh, how was your day? To be like, oh, yeah, I was doing really well. Like, I went to prayer earlier. You're having a great day. It's mm-hmm. like, it's much easier to, I think, bring in casual conversations about your faith versus now that everything's online, it's much harder to just talk to people. Mm. Um, like, I found out literally on Easter, I found out on Easter that there's a girl in my class who is a Christian. In my CC class. I don't know what her, like, if she's just, like, grew up Catholic or what, like, Mm. relationship she really has with Jesus. But I posted, like, a Happy Easter thing on on my Instagram. And she replied and was like, Happy Easter. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) I did not know this. What a fun fact. Mm -hmm. Um, That I think definitely would have come up more easily had we been in person. Yeah, I also feel like there's more of a proclivity even in class just to share things like that in the sort of comments you make and i'm not sure why maybe it's just because there's more humanity Mm. in meeting in person that you're able to connect more with people i think at least on my end i think part of it's also there's a lack of fear where it's like if we're in person people seem to be more receptive of what you're saying Mm. versus when you're online, there is that like automatic sense, a little bit of like distance and anonymity where people are Mm -hmm. more easily harsher in their like, you know, judgments. Yeah. And also just not paying attention because like it's so easy to do that online. Uh, I definitely suffer from this. (laughs) Um, yeah. Brutal. I think this, this conversation is really devolving into why we are done with online school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which I think is fair. It um, is fair. Because I I am done with it. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, so that was a tangent. Um, but maybe the next part is um, we've kind of glanced over why it's important to ha- talk about your faith, mm-hmm. right? Because I do think there is kind of culturally this idea of your faith being this personal, private thing. Yeah, I think we've talked about that before. We have talked about it in church and state. Yeah. And talking about, like, moral issues and laws. Yeah. Um, But I think it applies not only to broader social issues, but also to personal relationships. Yeah. Um, Well, and in in some ways you could almost consider that the thing, the problem, if we want to say it's a problem, is that people view faith as a personal affair. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, trying to share your Mm -hmm. faith is almost an oxymoron because you're not supposed to share because yeah. it's personal. And I think there's also the idea that it it doesn't necessarily like it, it helps you. Like it's kind of like right. religion being it's like a, a personal coping mechanism. Exactly. Um, which I think, especially given the transformative nature of Christ working through us mm-hmm. and Christianity. Um, I think that's one of the ways where they clash very easily because people do radically change when they become Christians. Um, And it is something that like impacts every part of your life. It impacts like your job. It Mm -hmm. impacts your relationship with others, like the way that you treat others. It all, it is ultimately all transforming. Obviously we're sinful. So it 
doesn't necessarily transform everything at once. Right. But um, that is kind of the end is an ultimate transformation. Mm-hmm. And so, because I'm thinking about, I've been reading this Puritan book on on work and it's called The Religious Tradesman. And it was, I don't remember when it was written, many moons ago. By, and it's by Richard Steele is his name. And he's talking about, he basically is going through not only how to find what you're called to, like what work you're called to, but also how to know if you should do it. Mm. And so he begins by, he calls it like, is it lawful? That's his first step. It's like, mm. is it lawful? Is it lawful? And That's obviously good. his version of lawful is very different from like a modern conception of lawful because he isn't just saying, um, don't do drugs. That is literally illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes beyond that. He says, no, is this going to, um, is this going to cross any moral laws? Right. And then he goes even beyond that and says, even if it's not going to cross any moral laws, is it going to pull you away from God? Mm. Like, are you going to seek God because of your work or is your work going to pull you away from God? And he says, if it's going to pull you away from God, it doesn't matter what, like what job it is. Even if it's not, doesn't transgress the moral law, Mm -hmm. you still should not do it. And he even goes beyond that. It's actually, he has a whole section on, um, will it pull your family away from God? Wow. Which is, so he goes deep. He has this whole passage on like, um, obviously he's talking about tradesmen. It's his kind of like ba- baseline, what he's talking to in that era, hmm. which you can think of kind of as the equivalent modern day businessman. It's not in like quite yeah. the same, like I, entrepreneurial. Tra- tradesmen. It doesn't yeah, quite is... match, but he does have this section of like, you might find that there's a business opportunity that would pull you to a different country or a different um, location. And he's talking about whether or not you should take it. And he says, if going there will harm your children's like growth towards mm. God because they won't have a community of believers, do not go there. Um, he says, like, it is better for you to suffer economically than it is for your children to be pulled away from God. Mm. Which I think is like, it's just, he's taking it very seriously. Right, yeah. And I think that's what I want to emphasize here is just how serious he takes the influence of your faith in your life. Right. And that's not, that's not even saying it will, that's how it should, Mm -hmm. right? That's the kind of the moral obligation you have once you have the faith, but even transitioning from no faith to faith without thinking about it, it does transform how you interact with your, with your job, how you think about your job. Um, Because it's no longer just a means to an end Mm -hmm. of subsistence. It's kind of a, a network of, it's a community of, of people yeah. who you can reach. Yeah. And I think this is why, like, we don't normally use this term all the time, but like domestic evangelism mm-hmm. is so important uh, because I do think in the church there is a heightened, heightened influence or, or not a heightened, um, what do I want to say? Like, I don't know, something about um, international evangelism, yeah. right? And going to a different country and reaching um, unreached people groups and it's like a big deal, right? If you have like someone like normally when someone comes back from a mission trip and they, they'll, a lot of churches, what a lot of churches will do, they'll have them like give a sermon one week. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if your church did that. My Baptist church growing up, it was uh, like, if we had our missionaries come, they, that would be the sermon for the week would be like their update. Um, I know not all churches do that. Some churches just have like a little update in the beginning. Yeah. It wasn't a full sermon. It was, it was an update. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it is still this emph- like this emphasis, right, of coming up in front of the church and being like, this is what's happening, right. which is good, right? There's not like, that's not to say it's not good, mm-hmm. but it does mean that sometimes people's perceptions of what 
is important mission she gets warped right because all of a sudden it becomes about going someplace yes instead of working where you're at Mm -hmm. because i don't know about your hometown but i can say for my hometown like there are so many people there who've never really heard the gospel right um and who like do need to hear hear the gospel and it would transform their life um and so the fact that there isn't as much of an influence there is just sad Mm -hmm. because it's like we want everyone to know him. Can I can I bring the Bible in? Oh yeah, that's so, uh, duh. Please do. <laughs> I mean, the the best place to start, I think, is I mean, it's the Great Commission, at mm-hmm. Matthew twenty, I think. Um, Go therefore and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. But I can't remember it now. But it's you know Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are the three. Yeah, starting here, right. going out. You get you get um, very common sermon topic. I think my dad has done it like twice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Judea, it's it's the community that you're involved in. Yeah, it's yeah. the people you know. It's your friends, your family. Um, you know, it's your neighbor, like your literal neighbor, person next door to you. Samaria is like the neighbor next door to your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the people you see sometimes um but they're not your close community right mm-hmm. um and then to the ends of the world i mean that's quite obvious it's everyone else um and global evangelism is that's to the ends of the wo- world you know that's looking at who is out there who we can reach but judea and samaria we often forget those samaria might be in our context you know going to a different state in the u.s or i think maybe for, let's say, college students at Columbia, I think Judea is definitely Columbia, right? And then yes. Samaria is New York City, yeah, where you have your broader community that you're a part of, and then Columbia is your neighbors. Like, mm-hmm. they're the people who are in the room next to you. Like, they're your room. Or you're in your room if you have a double and it's a random roommate. <laughs> or not, if it's a roommate who just isn't a believer. Yeah. And, and you, I mean, even in, in Acts, when you see Paul going about... Um, evangelizing and this is to the ends of the world evangelism Mm -hmm. what he always starts with is he always goes to the synagogue yep always goes to the synagogue and he preaches and teaches from the bible he argues and reasons those are like Mm -hmm. all the words they use i think in acts um and that's almost like it's a judea within the ends of the world it's the people you can connect with um to to more easily develop a community yeah that then can can grow and expand and Sorry, I just want to throw this in there. It might be a tangent. But okay. one thing I think is often, because there is this social pressure against evangelism, because religion is seen as such a, a private thing. But there's also, I think, this tendency within Christianity to view evangelism as a by-the-numbers mm, ordeal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's just because I think that's the way we think about it, is we just think about oh, who else can I evangelize to? But really, it should be rooted, and I think it often is rooted. I don't want to like throw everyone under the bus here, but I think we have to think about it as rooted in love, right? It's not that we just want more Christians in the world because it's like an us versus them kind of yeah. deal. It's a, the gospel is literally the way to salvation. You know, without Jesus, you're condemned to eternal damnation, which is... A hefty, a hefty punishment, and we don't want that for anyone, you know. So it's out of love 
that we desire to save people. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that is beautiful because it's important that like, even if you only share the gospel with one person an entire year, Mm -hmm. that's, and like actually share the gospel with them and live your life with them. That's just as powerful as if you are a street preacher, right? And Mm -hmm. talking to people every day about Christ. Um, It reminded me because I was thinking, (laughs) it reminded me of a Columbia Confessions post that I read a while back. (laughs) And I was just trying to look for it and I couldn't find it. Um, But someone had written about like uh, this idea of people coming up to them. I forget outside of where, outside of John Jay maybe or something like that. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, It was like people coming up to him outside and asking to pray for him. Um, and I don't know what Christian group does that on campus because I know our fellowship doesn't, mm-hmm. um, or at least isn't right now, I don't think. Um, but it did make me think about, obviously, I think he was talking specifically, I forget, I wanted to read the post because I wanted to actually read what he had said, about why he didn't like it. Uh, but it was something personal, like something that he just, I think has had a bad experience with Christianity and mm-hmm. his family. And so he really did not like it and had like kind of an allergic reaction to it. Um, but it did make me, I, I think reading through the comments, it did make me feel, uh, or not feel, but like, it seemed like an example, right, of this idea of my faith, your faith, split the line, you do your thing, right. don't put it on me. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is something that, like Christians really can't do to a certain extent. Um, obviously, like, there is a difference between if someone asks you, like, if you come up to someone and you're like, hey, can I pray for you? And they're like, no, please don't. If you then start praying for them, that's just like, that's rude. Please don't do that. (laughs) That's wrong. Same thing if like, if you see them again, maybe don't go up to them again and be like, hey, can I pray for you today? If they're like, please don't ever come up to me again. Um, That's just like, once again, kind Mm -hmm. of rude. But there's this idea of like, for for a Christian, it's going to impact every part of your life. And so you're going to have to talk to others about it, Mm -hmm. which can make people uncomfortable and you uncomfortable. Yeah, that that's <laughs> that's convicting. Oh well, I know I forget how I wanted to connect that to the idea of sharing the gospel in numbers, and I forget now. But but I think yeah. that's I mean that's also a good point, especially about discomfort. Um, mm-hmm. And I I don't know if that's cultural the discomfort or if it's natural. I know it and it changes based on per individual personalities too. Like there's some people who just could talk about it without a problem. Me on the other hand, I'm like. I mean, I don't like to talk to people in general out of the blue. So, you know, to bring up faith then is like a double step. Yeah. Something I do really want to change in my life, though. I'm glad to hear that. I think that's good. I think I've definitely gone through phases, mm. mostly because my cousin, who's like very, she was very influential in my like spiritual growth and becoming a Christian in the first place. She placed a big emphasis on evangelism and she and her husband do um, they'll like go a few times a year and they'll do like door to door preaching and things like that. Um, her husband for like, I think before when they were engaged, maybe he would stand outside bars Hmm. (laughs) on the weekends, him and like his brother, I think would go outside bars on the weekends and would talk to very drunk people about Jesus on their way out. Um, some of whom I think ended up coming to their church later on. So Hmm. yay for that. It worked. It wasn't, (laughs) but I do think, um, there was a part of me that was like, ah, Yes, something to aspire to. And so there have yeah. been periods in my life I think I, where I, I have been way more bold. I think, yeah, for me, it's a large part skepticism. It's like... Mm, what do you mean by skepticism? Like if somebody approached me out of... I think it's because I impute myself onto other people. Mm. Like if someone approached mm. me out of the blue and was like, 
bro, I have this great idea. Have you heard of Jesus Christ? And I'd be like, yeah, get out of my face. Yeah. Well, yeah, I do think that's where there definitely is a difference between uh, evangelism to people you know and people you don't know. Yeah. Right? And that that is a big thing. I do know because you want that relationship. You want there to be a relationship. Well, I don't know. I think you it don't... doesn't have to be, but you you definitely want there to be. What do you mean? It's easier. Oh, like you it's, want. And not easier. It's um, more effective. It's You can actually develop the... You can develop the relationship. You can develop the conviction. Well... It's not just a one-off. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would totally agree with that. No. I would say I think different people are built for different things. Yeah. I think some people are really going to struggle with ever, like, giving a Gospel of John pamphlet to someone. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, not something Me. they're ever going to be able to do. I think other people have been given that gift by God to be bold. Yeah. And have also been given a gift by God to be, like, discerning as to recognizing people who might be yeah, open to it. Yeah, that is true. It. That is true. Because I do think there are times that people, that God does work within people giving out Gospels of John to go up to random, like, a random person in a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think that's inherently bad because I do think God can work in mysterious ways. Um, and that might be what they need to hear. That being said... Well, I, to be fair, I never said it was bad. I, I, I personally would definitely prefer not to do that. But Well, that's where I think I... That's why I was saying, oh, what you want. <laughs> like what, um, because I do think there is also the idea of we shouldn't just be doing that. Like, you shouldn't just be going up to strangers and sharing the gospel mm-hmm. if you don't share the gospel with people in your life that you know more personally. I know, at least for myself... I have a much harder time sharing the gospel with people I don't, or I, I do know, hmm. than with people I don't. Because with the people I don't know... Um, it's like low risk. Yeah, it is low risk. It's like, I feel like I should share this with them. But if they brush me off, I'm not going to be that hurt by it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to, like, it's much easier for me to put that in God's hands and be like, God, you're working in this person's life. Do with it what you will. Right. Um, but when it's someone that is close to me, I feel much more vulnerable, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like my faith affects so much of my life. It's very hard for me to be vulnerable about my faith with someone who isn't a Christian because I don't know why. I guess I think, think they'll judge me or I think they won't understand or I don't really know what it is. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is within me, I find it much harder. Yeah, I remember, um, sorry, just to give an anecdote here. I remember when I first move in to Columbia last fall um I was in a Carmen suite one of the big ones on the end so there were 10 people in my suite oh you were in the big ones yeah nice and oh, not um, nice I thought it was fine I mean I definitely <laughs> wonder if she's Carmen again but that's a separate story and my next door suite mate um I don't remember how we ended up running into each other but we ended up you know we talked a little bit um, maybe in the hallway and then he he must have asked me or something because we started watching the good place mm-hmm. together we only got like three episodes in and so he must have asked me somehow connected to that what i believed about the afterlife and so i told him i was a christian and immediately he was like oh so you think like gays are evil i was like oh we're going here already um and so there is kind of a a caution Mm-hmm. That you know, you don't want people to think wrong things about you just because they know you're a Christian. 
But I also feel like there's a certain extent to which you can't avoid that if someone's going no, to make that judgment. That is true. It's like it doesn't really matter what you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, uh, that's not entirely true. It probably does matter a little bit what you say. If you're like, yes, <laughs> bad move. <laughs> right. Well, um, and I didn't, to be fair. I was like, oh, yes. They're like evil people. Like, no. I mean, like everyone's evil. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but I, 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 do ag- I do agree that that is definitely something that's hard to navigate. Mm-hmm. And I do think this is part of the reason why, at least for myself, I find it very easy to cling to my, not cling, that sounds weird, but like, cling i'll use it anyway to my christian friends yeah Um, no i definitely do the same thing because we do share so much more right Mm -hmm. we share a faith and because our faith impacts every facet of our life when i'm sad or disappointed or upset by something who am i going to go to i'm going to go to a friend who's a christian Mm -hmm. why because they'll be able to speak to me in a way that i need to hear if i go to someone who's not a christian they'll be like oh it's okay like it'll be fine and i'm like it doesn't feel like it'll be fine (laughs) But if I go to a Christian who's like, no, remember God is sovereign. Right. Like, remember that he's in control. Remember that he has a plan for your life. That speaks to me in a way that, oh, it'll be fine, doesn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I need to hear that it will be fine because of God. Um, And the problem with that, though, is it's easier to only invest in Christian relationships. Yeah. And not invest in non-Christian relationships. And I've noticed that being heightened since being online. Mm -hmm. Where, I will admit... There are a lot of people I haven't interacted with as much as I probably should well, have. Well, to be online. honest, like I just don't even know non-Christians. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's like another problem. Um, but beyond that, I think it's it. It was much harder for me to reach out to my friends who weren't Christians because, mm-hmm. um, and this is on me, but because I was like, if I only have like three to five hours a week of extra capacity to be on zoom Mm -hmm. who am i going to reach out to and i found myself reaching out to christian friends and not reaching out to non-christian friends um because i was like well i want fellowship i don't have a lot of fellowship right now because everything's online Mm -hmm. i don't have the same experience of seeing these people every day Mm -hmm. um so i'm going to like actively seek them out but in actively seeking them out i did drop a lot of people who i i probably shouldn't have um because I still value their friendship. I just kind of was selfish in terms of like who I was going to hang out with. Um, And I think that's a shame. I think it's a shame. And I don't really have an answer to that other than a resolve to hopefully do better when we're back in person. Mm. Um, But yeah. Well, it sounds like, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know non-Christians, but I don't have real relationships with them i just i don't know how because for me getting to know someone is such a long process to Mm, the point where mm -hmm. i'm I'm comfortable being around them and i'm open with them yeah and so i'm just never in a context where i'm consistently engaging with Mm -hmm. non-christians in order to develop that relationship but i guess on the other side of this That's not entirely a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the stage of life we're both in, we are developing and growing. Right. And I think both of us have grown a lot spiritually over the past, like, year and a bit. Amen. And the fact of the matter is that right now we are building a foundation that Mm -hmm. we will rely on for the rest of our life. Right. And whether you go to seminary and ultimately maybe do pastorship, you're going to be ministering to people that way. Mm Mm-hmm. 
or whether you decide to go the academic route and you end up like at a, doing like a professorship or something like that, you're also going to have a lot of people who are not Christians in your life right. at that point. And so the fact that you're building a solid foundation now isn't like, how dare you? You should be like, right. like you should be <laughs> putting time and energy into spreading the like gospel and um, to every person you meet or mm-hmm. that you should like have least two non-Christian friends, right? Because you are building a foundation. And if that foundation helps you more effectively share the gospel later on because you have a safe place to go to when you need to have your faith mm-hmm. like built up, I don't think that's entirely a problem yeah and maybe i'm biased and for me too it's like i'm afraid of the questions that people will ask Mm. so like my mission is just learn everything about apologetics (laughs) which is i mean from what i've heard from people it's it's not something to be afraid of but it is something like i just like answering questions you know Mm. i don't like being able to you know i'll get back to you on that one i don't like having to do that and i also think that it's not like we are at a Christian university. You're still interacting true. with non-Christian students true. in your classes. Yeah, just going to class. Exactly. And you can still be a witness. Through, to... through just through the way you live your life. Yeah. And this, I'm going to call out a friend here, um, but I'm going to name you by name, Chase, because you're great. So we are in, obviously, this is a part of Columbia Witness. And um, so we're, yeah, basically we're, the podcast branch of Columbia Witness. And a few days, or I think it was only yesterday, Chase sent this apology message. And I felt very convicted by it, Chase, if you're listening. But this apology message to the group chat, uh, basically saying, like, he's writing for this this journal. And actually, I think all three of us are. Yeah. And he basically was like, I once again have have failed to live up to, to like, the deadlines. Um, And I thought to myself, like, is this a good reflection of Christ? Um, and he came to the conclusion that it wasn't. And mm-hmm. so he sent an e- like sent a message out and was like, I have to apologize to all of you for not acting in the way that I should have. I felt very convicted because I have written a paragraph oh, of my you're, essay. You're farther than I am. And so I felt very bad because I was also like, Chase apologizing is, I really should do that too. Um, but I also think the reason I bring this up is Chase is a very good example of someone who displays Christ through his actions. Mm-hmm. Um, He's amazing. But him, like, openly apologizing for something that a lot of people, including you and I, right. just, didn't. Just like, take just, for granted. Exactly. Take for granted and didn't even feel convicted about speaks volumes to his character. Mm-hmm. And obviously he specifically appealed to Christ in his apology when addressing Christian Union. Or not Christian Union, addressing Columbia Witness. Because he is, like, this is a Christian group. Um, but I know for certain that he acts very similarly um, in other non-Christian settings. Mm. And although he might not directly reference Christ being like, I felt convicted because what would, like, what would Jesus do? Uh, <laughs> and he might not say it in the same way. The fact that he is a person who is willing to apologize for his actions and is willing to come before other people in humility mm-hmm. um, is something that not a lot of people are, are willing to do. And it, yeah. it does witness to others mm-hmm. because it is, like when you see someone else apologize like that, it does convict you regardless of whether you're a Christian or not. And obviously it does speak volume to his character. And so I think that's where, that's where it's like a, maybe a positive example of, of a Christian influence Mm. in your life. Yeah. Well, one thing I could say too, um, and maybe this will convict me to utilize it in my CC class, 
we go out in the breakout rooms and we talk about sections of the reading. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been in the same breakout room with this one kid who, I mean, I've known him pretty much. We've been in the same Lit Homer CC class most of our time together. And so, you know, I've seen him around quite a bit. And he just, he's like, yeah, I do as much of the reading as I feel like I should be expected to do. And he's always impressed that I do the whole reading. And the only, I haven't really given a reason for why I do the whole reading. Um, But it is, it's because I, I feel like, you know, the teacher is in authority. And when good old Larry Jackson assigns a hundred pages of Foucault Mm -hmm. to read, I'm reading a hundred pages of Foucault because it's, it is my, it's not my position to determine what is good for me. Um, it is a deference, I guess, out of humility, out of a recognition that, you know, that's the roles that God has put us in. Um, so I don't know if I'll specifically say that to, um, my CC student peers, but there is something in it to say, yeah, I'm, I am convicted because of Christ to do the full CC reading, even though it's a hundred pages of Foucault and I'm not a huge fan of Foucault. Yeah. I think that's great. I think, I think I like where this conversation has gone because I think we went, we went from talking about kind of the broader issue of public versus private Mm -hmm. and how our faith does affect the private. And then I think we went to specifically sharing the gospel to those outside Columbia, those inside Columbia. And I think I liked where we ended, <laughs> which was how should our life show Christ? Mm-hmm. And I think it's not, although it is sometimes just our attitudes about things, I think it also goes beyond that, like we were just discussing, into specific justifications we give, vocal declarations right. of the authority Christ has in our life. Mm-hmm. Um and I think the beauty of that is it isn't just a subtle, my life is slightly different. I might do some strange things sometimes. Yeah. But it goes beyond that and says, no, the reason why I do these slightly strange things is because I believe in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and putting the authority where it's deserved. More than that, it's because I have Christ in me. Mm-hmm. Snaps to that. Yes, the Holy Spirit is indwelled within you, Timothy Kinneman, and it is indwelled within me. And hopefully indwelled within you, listener. <laughs> if you're a Christian, it is, so woo-woo! Yeah. Is that, is that it? I think that's it. I think that's a good place to land. All right. You want to talk about talk about our um, communications then? Oh, yeah. Okay, guys. Y'all have heard this before, but you're going to hear it again. Please don't turn off. Where should you find us? Pop quiz, if you want to reach out to us. That's right. It's uh, witnessthegoodfight at gmail.com. It is also at thegoodfightpod on Instagram and Facebook. I hope you got that pop quiz right. If not, I'm a little disappointed. Will not lie. Um, Unless it was your first episode. Unless it was your first episode. No disappointment there. If it was your second, like, also a little lenience. But if it is your third or more... I have high expectations of y'all. Yeah, so thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you guys have a really wonderful week. And we will catch you. Last week of school. Yeah, and we'll catch you next week for what is officially now our last Mm -hmm. episode in the spring 
of the 2020-2021 school Academic year. year. Thank you.